0: started. If the technology works, I can control the slides from here. Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to New Life in Christ Church of Cedar Creek. My name is Bill Stewart. I'm on the board of trustees for the church, and I also uh, run the uh, audio-visual, so I'm kind of the guy behind the scenes along with Michael to uh, get the uh, audio and visual going for every week. Uh, last week, Pastor Phil asked me if I'd be willing to give a message on forgiveness, and of course I agreed. I've uh, given a few messages before here. The last one was in 2019, and we didn't really do anything last year because of all the all the situation with, uh, with the COVID and that. So anyway... Um, Today's message on forgiveness, as it turns out, dovetails nicely into what Phil uh, taught last week, which was uh, entitled "A New Beginning." And I almost entitled today "A New Beginning: uh, Forgiveness," but uh, didn't want to hijack his message too much. So, Father, why don't we um, why don't we open in prayer? So, Father, we seek your wisdom, not the wisdom of the world, and rather than my words, let's use your words. And written especially for forgiveness. Psalm 51 is entitled A Contrite Sinner's Prayer for Pardon. And it's a psalm of David when Nathan the prophet came to him after he had uh, gone into Bathsheba, Bathsheba. So, one moment here. Sometimes the technology is not as fast as we would like it. And we'll speak to that. One of the reasons that we're spending time studying forgiveness is it's a subject that, you know, okay, well, I forgive, I zoom through it, I think about it, really not very much. Um, So today we're going to take advantage of this privilege of time that that God has given us to be together, and we're going to think a little bit about forgiveness uh, using both secular as well as examples from his word well Tammy I might have let me just uh, give it one moment here oh nice it says error don't you love that Okay, so Tammy will just have you uh, as, as backup. Okay, starting at verse 1 in Psalm 51, and this is David speaking, and he says, Be gracious to me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the greatness of your compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and have done what is evil in your sight, so that you are justified when you speak and blameless when you judge. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. Behold, you desire truth in the innermost being, and in the hidden part you will make me know know wisdom. Purify me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Pure, make me to hear joy and gladness. Let the bones which you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins, and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence. And do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Return to me the joy of your salvation, and sustain me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners will be converted to you. Deliver me from blood guiltness, O God, the God of my salvation. Then my tongue will joyfully sing of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips, that my mouth may declare your praise. For you do not delight in sacrifice, otherwise I would give it. You are not pleased with burnt offering. The sacrifices sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. By your favor do good to Zion, build the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in righteous sacrifices, in burnt offerings, and whole burnt offering. Then young young, young bulls will be offered on your altar. You know, David really can offer a prayer. And sometimes just going to the Psalms, if when we don't know what to pray, what a rich resource we have. So given what we're going to talk about today in forgiveness, I would also like us to uh, start out by putting on our spiritual armor. Uh, I would recommend you all do this every day, and I would also recommend that you memorize these passages. So let's turn to Ephesians uh, chapter 6, beginning at verse 10. This is Paul speaking. He says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might put on the full armor of god so that you will not so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil for our struggle is not against flesh and blood but against the rulers against the powers against the world forces of this darkness against the spiritual forces of wickedness in in the heavenly places therefore take up the full armor of god that you will be able to resist the devil to resist the evil day and having done everything to stand firm stand firm therefore having girded your loins with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, in addition to all taking up the shield of faith, with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit, and with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the state, all the saints. Okay, so you're all armored up. We stand on the truth of His word and have peace in the protection of God, our Savior. Hey Tammy, I think I can do the slides now. Yeah, why don't you let me uh, try it here? Okay, so what is forgiveness? So that'll be our teaching today. We'll explore what Scripture has to say, and we'll compare. That's what the world offers. You make your own conclusions. As your teacher, I don't want you to receive this passively. Go study and see if it's true. Consider whether it applies to you. Do not be dependent on others to think for you. And we talked about this, but use this gift of time that you have right now, free from all distraction. You don't have your gadgets, you don't have your devices. Just have this time with God and with us. And we can use that time to gain wisdom from God. Proverbs says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. If you find yourself resisting this, seek the Lord in prayer and ask him him to show you the source of your rebellion. Consult the Lord, study scripture, and use spiritual discernment. God will grant you wisdom in abundance if you seek him diligently. And I can testify personally to this. Um, we've had many examples, and I've talked about a few of them over the years. So what is forgiveness? A secular definition might be the process by which a person is released from the consequences of an action against another person or group and restored to a positive relationship to the offended party. Well, that's a mouthful. When I get a difficult sentence like this or a complex sentence like this, I find it sometimes useful to just park here for a little bit and we'll do an analysis. Um, If we take a few minutes and look at the words and the structure, uh, we might find it beneficial. Um, So let's first look at the actions. Um, The English language calls those verbs. We have a process. So what's that mean? Well, process means, um, especially in computers and business and governments, and it means to perform a series of established steps, uh, such as a procedure. And it's from the Latin word that means progression. So it means you're going from this to this to this to this. this. Okay? So uh, release. Well, in this sense, it means to discharge, as in a debt, um, or to acquit, or to let go or to excuse. It suggests there's some penalty involved, and it's usually performed by a person of some authority. Restore, or to restore. This means to repair or to renovate, as in a building, or a work of art, or a vehicle, or a relationship. So as to return it to its original condition. So keep this in mind, and we see how God, as we see how God forgives. All right, now let's look at the objects of the actions or what applies or receives the actions. Okay, so we have a person. And then we have a person in a group. This suggests then that more than one person is is involved in forgiveness. Uh, We'll show that we can also forgive ourselves. Consequences. Uh, you might observe that although I forgive someone, consequences might remain. For example, I receive forgiveness for theft, but I still must make restitution. This is where our textual analysis helps us, because if we look further in this sentence here, to release from consequence, the release from consequence is refers to the relationship. Okay, the relationship between the parties has been restored. With God, the consequences are eternal damnation. You certainly don't. Want, you certainly want to be released from that consequence. How? By salvation through Jesus Christ, where we get, where we receive forgiveness from God for our actions against Him. Now, action, and action against which is sin. You and I have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God. Sin is anything that displeases God or goes against his will. There are sins of commission, where we commit a sin, and there are sins of omission, where we, lack to do, we fail to do something that we should have done. Jesus says that sin starts in the heart and mind. Our thoughts and intentions can therefore be sinful, regardless of whether they're acted on. My life, therefore, is full of sin, and I continue to sin. Despite that, God remains merciful and in His grace offers forgiveness. We'll talk about actually receiving an offer of forgiveness, but it's through God's grace that we have forgiveness. Next, we have a relationship. Well, we know what relationships are. They're the way that peoples are, people are connected, including being connected by blood or by marriage. When our actions damage a relationship, God has provided us with forgiveness so that a relationship can be restored. You know, uh, when I wrote this, I never really considered forgiveness as a true gift from God, despite reading about it a thousand times. Uh, Other religions don't have this. Buddhism doesn't have any concept of forgiveness. Uh, Islam certainly doesn't. Um, Judaism sort of does, but not to the extent that we have through Christ. Um, Therefore, let's give thanks to God right now. Father, we thank you for your gift of forgiveness. Amen. For every good thing, this is out of First Timothy verse, chapter 4, verses 4 and 5, for everything created by God is good. Nothing is rejected if it is received with gratitude, even forgiveness. For it is sanctified or made holy by means of the word of God and prayer. Okay, so let's go back and we'll finish this up here. The offended party. So, who is the offended party? Well, according to a sec- secular dictionary, um, the offense means that they were resentful or annoyed, typically as a result of a perceived insult. Okay? Offense is a huge topic, and perhaps I'll speak on it uh, when, on a future message. All right, so let me put offense and forgiveness together and wrap up our definition of forgiveness. I want you to keep in mind when do you offend, when, when do you offend and who you are offending. Let's say I, st- I tell a falsehood, a lie to my little sister. That has a particular range of consequences. Now, if we lie to the IRS, that's a different range of consequences. Okay? Now, if we lie to the Lord, how much greater are the consequences? Even though, of course, we know he cannot be deceived. And it's snowing. The point is is that sin offends our holy God and it breaks our relationship with him. It's only through God's provision of forgiveness through Jesus Christ that relationship can be restored. So, I mentioned this earlier, but the reason that we're spending so much time here is I want you to slow down just for a moment. Uh, We are inclined to just zoom through all this, um, really without thinking of what forgiveness means what I did, how it impacted somebody, and about the future. Okay, so forgiveness from God started out initially with the blood sacrifice, and he established this in the Old Testament. Uh, Hebrews says that according to the law, as one may almost say, all things are cleansed with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. This is a peculiar and distinct thing that we have with our relationship with God that blood is required for forgiveness. You don't have to understand it. He's declared it. He says that's what it is. Amen. So in the Old Testament, the priest performed the sacrifice according to the instructions that God gave to Moses. This is a covering of the current sin, um, although, the, although not all sin was included in the sacrifice. And the sacrifice had to be offered on an ongoing basis. So just real quick, here's an example of what that sacrifice would look like. Then the anointed priest is to take some of the blood of the bull and bring it to the tent of meeting. And the priest shall dip his finger in the blood and sprinkle some of the blood seven times before the Lord in front of the veil of the sanctuary. that was it for that one. Okay, in the New Testament, we know that the blood sacrifice of Jesus Christ is now our only means of reconciliation. Or I might, or I might say our only means of relationship restored. Okay? And the relationship restored to God. The free offer of forgiveness. So in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 7 and 8, in him, in Jesus we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our transgressions, of our trespasses, according to the riches of His grace, His grace which He lavished on us on us, in all wisdom and insight. and it goes on a little bit there. God forgives the sins of believers on the basis of the once and- for all sacrifice offered by Jesus Christ on the cross. Believers' sins are no longer held against them on account of the atoning death of Jesus Christ. Okay. Now, the atonement, we had a shadow of that in the Leviticus instructions for the blood sacrifices. Uh, Jesus has fulfilled that for us. Okay, so God has a lot to teach us on forgiveness, and we'll touch on a few of the points here. Jesus, I think, states it most simply in the Beatitudes. Forgive. And you will be forgiven. So, I'd like to think about several aspects of forgiveness here. The first is being gracious to. Forgiveness is being gracious to something or someone. God's gift of forgiveness certainly demonstrates his graciousness. Grace is unmerited favor. We certainly don't deserve grace. God's character is gracious, and God is gracious. Recall the two debtors, which Phil has recently taught on. And This is Jesus speaking. A moneylender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they were unable to repay, he graciously, the moneylender, graciously forgave them both. So which of them will love him more? And Simon, who was the fellow with whom Jesus was having Meal, Simon answered and said, Well, I suppose the one whom he forgave more. And Jesus said to him, You have judged correctly. Seems apparent enough, right? And then Phil teaching on this last week regarding the woman who then ministered to Jesus in that same setting at Luke uh, 7, starting at verse 44. So then Jesus turned towards the woman and he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? but he who has forgiven little loves little. Those who were reclining at the table with him began to say to themselves, who is this man who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. I apologize. I have not been advancing the slides. So we'll do that for the Folks at home here, I get co-sought, co-sought up, co- so caught up in the reading that I forget what I'm supposed to do. Maybe I need a maybe I need someone to run the slides for me. <laughs> there it is. Yes. I came this close to including that passage. <clears throat> I love the Lord where he says, come, let us reason together. You know, that tells us that we can go to him at any time, ask him any question, and he will answer you. He will give you wisdom in abundance. If you would simply ask, come to him. And time and time and time again, I have examples where I've asked him something, and sometimes I get an immediate answer, sometimes in a while, sometimes some, some point down the road. Um, but he always provides in abundance. Wisdom, if we would simply ask. Well, I forget. Well, start remembering, you know. <laughs> okay, so I, my notes say to advance the slide. Okay, last week, um, Pastor Phil also uh, taught about the martyr Stephen. Notice the grace in Stephen's forgiveness. Now, we're still talking about forgiveness, the aspect of grace that, it, that is in forgiveness. And so in Acts 7, starting at verse 59, they went on stoning Stephen as he called on the Lord and said, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then falling on his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And having said this, he fell asleep. Jesus teaches us to be gracious in our relationships with others. Even family members? Oh, yikes. Jesus, uh, in Matthew 18, starting at verse 21, um, I was talking with Peter, and then Peter came by, came and said to Jesus, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me, and I forgive him? Up to seven times? Jesus said to him, I did not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven, which is an expression, 490 times. In other words, more than you can count. It's like, oh, really? Yes, really. That requires grace. So then, why can I forgive? It's because God expressed his love for us through Christ. He covered our sins in him. Thus, through faith faith in Jesus, we are reconciled to God. In that light, surely we should be able, we should be willing to cover sins done to us by other people, you think? Not that we can forgive sin on God's behalf, but we can do so in our relations to others. There's where the grace comes in. Lord, give me grace. Another aspect of forgiveness is the notion of passing over. Forgiveness embodies this concept, this act of passing over. Remember back to our definition of action. One of the actions in forgiveness is is passing over. Starting in Romans chapter 3, Verse 23, and this is Paul speaking, and he says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified as a gift by his grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus. Whom God displayed publicly as a propitiation in his blood through faith. This was to demonstrate his righteousness because in the forbearance of God, he passed over the sins previously committed. Now, forbearance means to refrain from executing a legal right, especially in enforcing the payment of a debt. If we sin against, if we offend our holy God, how great is that debt? Much more, I think, than we might realize. Yes, uh, <laughs> I'm drawing a blank. This is one I know. Uh, Phil, what's the... <laughs> I believe it's a legal satisfaction, a legal substitution. Is paid to death, to so we're it. folks online we're looking up the definition of propitiation, shame on us for not having this memorized this is something we we know, and we just had slipped our mind at the moment. I buy in the spirit of forgetfulness in <laughs> Jesus name <laughs> yeah. uh, let's see. <laughs> Okay, go ahead. So it, So it refers to the atonement it refers to refers to the payment of a debt. on our behalf So if I read verse twenty-five again, whom God displayed publicly as a payment in His blood, yeah. through faith. Yeah. Yeah. To to hmm Okay. Good. Thank you. Um, another example of forgiveness uh, with the aspect of passing over uh, is in Ezekiel starting at uh, chapter 18, verse 21. And this is God speaking. But if the wicked man turns from all his sins, which he has committed, and observes all my statutes, and practices justice and righteousness, he shall surely live. He shall not die. All his transgressions, which he has committed, will not be remembered against him. Because of his righteousness, which he has practiced, he will live. This is God speaking. Do I have any pleasure in the death of the wicked, declares the Lord God, rather than that he should turn away from his ways and live? I speak to everyone who thinks that God wants us put in hell, punished, That is false. That is blatantly false. That is from the enemy. That is from the devil. God here says otherwise. We misjudge God's character to presume that he won't even pass over transgression, that he won't forgive. Okay. Okay, another aspect of um, forgiveness is that we assume that, um, let me say that over again. Another aspect of forgiveness is that uh, per, uh, repentance is a prerequisite, prerequisite for that renewal of relationship. I mean, it kind of seems obvious when you think about it. Um, an empty plea for, for forgiveness with no intention of reform, probably worthless, right? Um, godly repentance, however, involves conviction from the Holy Spirit. I think we all have had that happen. Um, let me quote from the Baker Encyclopedia of the Bible, which says, Repentance is literally a change of mind, or we hear a turn change of direction. And it's not about individual plans changing, intentions or beliefs, but a change in the whole personality from a sinful course of action to God. Such a change is sometimes referred to as evangelical repentance, since it arises out of the proclamation of God's grace to the sinner and the correlative work of the Holy Spirit in the new birth. So it isn't just me saying, oh yeah, I'm not going to do that one thing anymore, I'm sorry, I, you know, forgive me. It's rather, that was wrong, my whole view was wrong, my attitude was wrong, my perception was wrong. I'm going to turn now. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to go that way, that, follow that course anymore. I'm going to go this way. And that's the, turn it down a little bit? Okay, sure. I'll try pulling this out a little bit, that might help. Probably hits against my head, against my hard head here. <laughs> okay, so let's look at how God uh, views repentance. Let's go to Joel. Chapter 2, starting at verse 12. Yet even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, and with fasting, and weeping, and mourning. And rend your heart, not your garment. That was a Jewish practice of the time to express grief in a visible way that you would tear your garment. God says, No, rend your heart instead. Now we turn to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness, and relenting of evil. Okay, another aspect of forgiveness is the offending party must accept the offer. You know, I can say, forgive me, and you, if you just say, forget you, well, then the forgiveness remains unreceived. It didn't actually engage. I'm not sure how to quite describe it, but if you don't receive it, then probably still not forgiven at some, at some level. And if they don't accept forgiveness, whether it's from man or God, um, we have some warnings from Scripture about this. Let's go to First John chapter 5, starting in verse 9. If we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater. For the testimony of God is this, that he testified concerning his Son. The one who believes in the Son of God has the testimony in himself. The one who does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed in the testimony that God has given concerning his Son. So, this person did not accept God's offer of forgiveness, of salvation. Hebrews 12, verse 25 See to it that you do not refuse him who is speaking, He's referring to Jesus, to God. For if those did not escape when they refused him who was warning them on earth, how much less will we escape? who turn away from him who warns from heaven. Hmm? Okay, here's a secular story. I forgive me if I've told this before about someone who refused to accept forgiveness. And it's entitled Greater Than Governor Nash Offers a Pardon. Now, this was Governor Nash of the state of Ohio around the year 1900 through about 1904. A young man had murdered his sweetheart. Because she would not marry him, after much pleading by the young man's mother, the government the governor promised her that he would call on her son, who had been sentenced to death. Finally, the governor stood before the convicted man, dressed in a Prince Albert coat, which is a at the time it was a formal like a like a trench coat, buttoned over and and he, uh, so the governor showed up dressed in this coat, causing the man to think about to think that he was um, a preacher, you know, not the governor. So the governor called him by name and says, I have come to talk with you. The prisoner replied, I do not feel like talking, and then turned his back. The governor replied, I'm sure you would like to talk if you knew who I am and why I have come. The young man said, please go out. I do not feel like talking. The governor turned and went out. The warden entered and said, How did you make out with the governor? He said, Governor? What governor? Why, Governor Nash. That was the governor himself. Oh, said the man, if I had only known with whom I was talking. Greater than Governor Nash is talking here now to you, Jesus. Jesus wants to give you life eternal life Governor Nash was the only person who had the power to pardon the condemned prisoner. What a pity that he rejected him Jesus is the only one to pardon sinners. Peter tells us in Acts 4 starting at verse 12 and this was after he had given a very convicting message to the crowd about how they had uh, crucified Jesus and they were cut to the heart and they had said you know what should we do And Peter said, "And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved." Now, pardon—we were talking about earlier—is different um, than forgiveness to a Christian. We Christians already have uh, been pardoned, so we only need to ask for forgiveness from God. And uh, so we would never go to God and say, please pardon us. But many reconciliations have been broken down because both parties have come prepared to forgive, but unprepared to be forgiven. Forgive and forget, but what if I want to take a stroll down memory lane? Do we have to forget to forgive? Here's an illustration from Herschel Hobbes. And he writes, We sometimes hear, I cannot forgive if I cannot forget. Well, this idea is born of the devil. If we ever really know something, we can never forget it. While a wrong done to us may still be in our minds, however, it need not be in our hearts. This means... That we do not continue to hold in our hearts the wrong done to us. If God has put our sins behind us, then we can do the same with the sins others commit against us. Because of God's infinite love, mercy, and grace, God chooses in Christ to regard our sins as never having existed. We can do the same if we have the will to do so. We can regard the sins committed against us as having never existed. Failure at this point robs us of joy and, the use, and usefulness. It robs us of usefulness in our Christian lives. Okay, the last aspect of forgiveness that I want to talk about is why won't I forgive myself? And this is one that I struggle with, and this isn't always easy for us. But we know now that God commands us to forgive because we have been forgiven first. But what about the times when we ask God to forgive us, we've sought forgiveness from those we have hurt, but yet we can't forgive ourselves? Well, maybe it's because we have sinned with full awareness of the consequences and therefore, we presume God couldn't possibly or wouldn't possibly forgive us. We're afraid to approach him. That's it. I've blown it big time. I'm done. Before I was saved and I was a little child, my parents gave me a Bible and I opened it up to one page and it said, all those who lie will die. And I thought, well, that's it. I'm done. Put it down. You know? False. Why else can't I forgive myself? Well, maybe because of pride. Maybe I'm a perfectionist who thinks that I always have to be right. Actually, I was only wrong once. One time I thought I was wrong, but I wasn't. (laughs) So I can't handle it when I don't get it right. And then I beat myself up mentally. I have elevated that to an art form and it drives people that that know me crazy. Some people try to punish themselves for their sins as opposed to standing on the promises of, of forgiveness. So I think the key, if not the solution to forgiving yourself, is we rest in the fact that God has already forgiven me. I use my voice. I speak to the spirit of accusation. Satan, whose name actually means accuser. Hmm. And I say that I am forgiven through the blood of Jesus. Then I can refer any subsequent accusations to my defense attorney, who is? That's right. How did David respond to forgiveness? And We'll just read Psalm 32 uh, for expediency. Uh, We could study this here. Uh, a couple things I'll point out, that notice how his joy is restored after, he, um, after David is forgiven. How blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. How blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. When I kept silent about my sin, my body wasted away, through my groaning all day long for day and night your hand was heavy upon me my vitality was drained away as with the fever heat of summer think about that if we don't forgive it makes us sick verse 5 i acknowledge my sin to you and my iniquity i did not hide i said I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And you forgave, my, you forgave the guilt of my sin. Think about that. Therefore, let everyone who is godly pray to you in a time when you may be found. Today? Surely, in a flood of great waters, they will not reach him. So you better seek forgiveness today. You better seek the Lord today while he can be found. Tomorrow's not guaranteed. You are my hiding place. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with songs of deliverance. Think about that. I will now God speaking back to him. I will instruct you and teach you in the way which you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Do not be as the horse or the mule which have no understanding. Whose trappings include bit and bridle to hold them in check; otherwise, they will not come to you, come near you. Many are the sorrows of the wicked, but he who trusts in God, in, in the he who trusts in the Lord, loving kindness shall surround him. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, you righteous ones, and shout for joy all you who are upright in heart. Okay, so we've gone through a number of definitions of forgiveness. I find sometimes it's helpful to say, well, what is the opposite of forgiveness? What's the opposite of forgiveness, anybody? And not unforgiveness. What would you say? One more time. Condemnation, No. I had something else in mind. Bitterness. Oh, yeah. Bitterness is anger and disappointment at being treated unfairly. Whatever that means. Unfair sounds awfully subjective, doesn't it? Part of the problem, I'll bet. So let's play a little word a little word game. I love doing this, and if you'll bear with me, I think you'll find this helpful. Do any of these words have a place in you? Resentment, embitteredness, dissatisfaction, discontent, grudge, indignation, sourness, rancor, spite sullenness, churlishness, moroseness, petulance, peevishness, spleen, acrimony. Did any of these words catch your attention? Do any of these reside in your heart? Bitterness will affect your health. And just real quick, we're going to go back and we're going to Look at verses 3 and 4 in Psalm 32. When I kept silent about my sin, my body wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was drained away as with the fever heat of summer. Think about that. Phil recently taught about Simon who was wanting to buy the gift of the Holy Spirit. But Peter knew Simon had enmity. Now enmity in this sense means that Simon was actively opposed and hostile to the work of God uh, that was being performed through Peter. So if we go to Acts 8, starting at verse 18. Now when Simon saw that the Spirit was being bestowed through the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money, saying... Give this authority to me as well, so that everyone on whom I lay hands may receive the Holy Spirit. Sounds okay. But Peter said to him, may your silver perish with you because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. You have no part or position in this matter, for your heart is not right before God. Obviously, the Spirit had spoke a word to Peter. Therefore, repent of this wickedness of yours. And pray the Lord that, if possible, the intention of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you are in the gall of bitterness. That means enmity. That means you're opposed. That means you're hostile. And in the bondage of iniquity. So let's talk about roots of bitterness. A root of bitterness. Roots of bitterness. So envision, if you will, a plant with a visible portion above the ground and a hidden portion underground. And you can see there's some words on here. On the above ground part, we have memory recall, our stroll down memory lane. We have anger, retaliation, resentment, unforgiveness, murder, rage, violence, anger. And sitting down underneath all that is unforgiveness, bitterness, So the writer of Hebrews warns us that bitterness defiles our temple, defiles us. We've taught on this previously. See to it that, starting in Hebrews twelve fifteen, see to it that no one comes short of the grace of God, His grace, that no root of bitterness springing up causes trouble, and by it many be defiled. So this is apparently a common problem. When you hold on to something, we have this grudge, we have this acrimony. We vent our spleen. So I've had roots of bitterness. I had one in particular that uh, we may talk about it if it comes up. But until I sought the Lord, I didn't know where my self-loathing came from. I used to hate myself just this, this unfocused, this self-hatred, and it didn't make sense, and I lived with it for a very long time. Um, finally, I sought the Lord. Gee, why didn't I do that sooner? Well, I didn't. Uh, he told me, and he took me back to a childhood experience, and it had rooted in to me and sent all this poison out in terms of attitudes, harmful thoughts, self-destructive behaviors. Job expressed it. I loathe my own life. I will give full vent to my complaint. I will speak in the bitterness of my soul. Paul speaks to this. Instead, we should heed Ephesians 4, starting at verse 29. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification, which means the benefit of, according to... The need of the moment, so that it will give grace to those who hear. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Well, we didn't include those words in my list earlier, probably should have. So let's do something about it. Let's, let's see if we can pull out a root of bitterness here, or many. On your handouts, I've given you some questions um, to help um, jog your memory, help you to identify any bitterness that you might have. Um, as I ask God to reveal our bitterness, um, I'd, I'd, I'd ask you to write down anything that he might reveal to you. So I'll just read these through for the benefit of the audience, and then we'll we'll offer a prayer. I am bitter for my childhood because... I am bitter at my parents because... I am bitter with God because... I am bitter with someone or something because... I seem to have vague or unfocused bitterness, yes or no. I am bitter with life because I am bitter because of those because of these adverse personal circumstances. And list some out. I am bitter because of these external circumstances. I am bitter because of these human failures. Someone let me down. I am bitter because of a sinful heart, yes or no. And it could be my sinful heart or it could be somebody else's sinful heart. I am bitter because. I am bitter because it seems like I have always been this way. There you go. That's who I am. Eh. Okay, so Father, let's lift these up in prayer. Father, please reveal to me and to each of us here and to those online any unforgiveness in our hearts. Please shine your light on our bitterness. We want to see it so that, you're, so that by your power and grace, we can get to the source of it, confess it, forgive and that you would heal us. Show this that we can and must always come to you for healing, never in fear, but in faith and confidence in your word and in your grace and in your love. You said that we should come boldly to the throne of grace. We do so now. Father, help us let go of any resentment and anger. Amen. Jesus warns us, What can happen after deliverance, which we're going to do a little bit here. Uh, We will take steps to protect against this. In Luke chapter 11, starting at verse 24, Jesus says, When the unclean spirit goes out of a man, it passes through waterless places, seeking rest. And not finding any, it says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when it comes, it finds it swept and put in order. And then it goes and takes along seven other spirits, more evil than itself, and they go in and live there. Now there's eight spirits. And the last state of that man becomes worse than the first. Well, we don't want that, so I'll show you how we can avoid that. So let's get the healing for any roots of bitterness that we might have. We start, as Jesus instructed us, we bind Satan. We bind the strong man. And we bind the spirits by name and with our voice. I therefore bind Satan, I bind the strong man, and I bind the spirits of bitterness in Jesus' name. I confess the bitterness in my heart, and I repent. If any of you have specific bitterness... Confess and repent now. Those at home have the advantage of hitting the pause button. I'll pray this from Daniel chapter 9, starting at verse 8. Open shame belongs to us, O Lord, to our kings, our princes, our fathers, because we have sinned against you. To the Lord our God being compassion, belong compassion and forgiveness, for we have rebelled against him. Nor have we obeyed the voice of the Lord our God to walk in his teachings which he has sent before us through his servants, the prophets. That's our confession. I now bind the spirits of resentment and bitterness and dissatisfaction. I break their power over me and neutralize their influence over me in Jesus' name. Lord, yeah, Lord Jesus, lead me to my knees, lead us to our knees. And let us receive the conviction from the, Holy, from the Holy Spirit. Father, I confess. We confess now and repent now. And going forward with your help. See? We're getting somebody's attention. I bind the spirit of electronic influence. You get out right now in Jesus' name. You have no power over us here. I bind the sneaky spirits who think they can avoid ejection by changing their names Spirits of disgruntlement, discontent, grudge, indignation, sourness, rancor, spite, sullenness, churlishness, moroseness, spirits of petulance, peevishness, spleen, acrimony. Attention. You are bound. Your power broken over us. Your power over us is broken in Jesus' mighty name. You are banished, discharged, dismissed, evicted, expelled, forced out in Jesus' name. You are cast off, driven off, given the boots, sent packing, kicked out, 86th. I call on the fire of God to drive out any remaining oppressing spirits that are hiding. Jesus knows where you are. For all those driven out spirits, you get into cages. They're all lined up for you. I call on holy angels to take those demons, those foul spirits, those evil spirits, to whoever Jesus commands we take those spirits out of this battle in Jesus name. We apply the blood of Jesus to the empty spaces in our hearts where bitterness once imprisoned, defiled and tormented us. We invite the Holy Spirit to heal us by the stripes of Jesus. We forgive those who have offended us and we help and we ask God to help us forget the offenses. We loose warrior angels to stand as gatekeepers over each of us to keep away any new spirits of bitterness, in Jesus' name. I ask the Holy Spirit to remind me of this healing so that I can share this miracle with others, thereby glorifying God. I ask for deliverance and healing for all who are listening. If bitterness does attempt to come back, Father, I ask that you'll show us how to seek you for guidance. We hold today's scripture in memory so that, like Jesus, we can respond to the devil with the word of God. Amen. Okay, so in conclusion, ask God to reveal your bitterness and your unforgiveness. Confess and repent. Seek to restore your relationship, Let' start with God. and then as He reveals with others, and forgive yourself. How can we know whether our repentance is genuine? Well, Phil has taught on this many times. Is there the, do we have the fruit of a changed life? You'll see it. Let us resolve to forgive all who ask, including yourself. Knock to have the door open for you, the new door to your new heart of grace and forgiveness. And at the same time, ask God to close that door through which you held grudges, Kept a record of wrongdoing. Okay, Pastor Phil has taught on this, and it's worth a reminder. You do not want to face Jesus and have him tell you, I never knew you. 150,000 people die every day and either face eternity in hell or eternity with the Lord. There's no chance of making a decision for Jesus after death. The opportunity to, pre- to repent ends when this life on earth ends. Jesus says, and I don't know if I have this slide, I do not. But he says simply, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the, ones who, the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, do we not prophesy in your name, cast out demons in your name, and do many, mighty works in, in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. What a shocking, tragic, horrible thing to hear from our Lord. So, are you saved? Do you know with complete certainty what will happen to you when you die? There are only two options. Either you go directly to be with the Lord Jesus And spend eternity with him. Or you will end up in a cosmic prison called hell. Also known as the lake of fire. And spend eternity in torment with the devil and his angels. Well I don't believe that. Your belief does not change the truth. But I'm not a bad person. Not like other people. Well Jesus says in Revelation 21 verse 8. But the fearful... And unbelieving, and the abominable, and murderers, and whoremongers, and sorcerers, and idolaters, and all liars, shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Dear friend, Jesus holds an offer for your forgiveness right now. He is waiting for you to accept the offer. Spirit of electronic (laughs) interference, you remain bound. You are expelled in Jesus' name. Jesus has the offer of forgiveness waiting for you. He's waiting for you now to accept that offer. Jesus loves you, and he has no pleasure in the death of the wicked. You can turn to him now and gain forgiveness of your sins by saying this prayer with me. Dear God, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I admit that I am not right with you. And I want to be right with you. I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. The Bible says, if I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead, I will be saved. I believe with my heart and I confess with my mouth that Jesus is the Lord and Savior of my life. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you just accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, welcome to your new life. Congratulations on making the most important decision of your life. Please reach out to us here at New Life in Christ Church of Cedar Creek. You have passed through the door from death to life, and you are now part of the family of God. Let us close in prayer. Father, I ask each person today that they receive your word, that they take it to heart and come to you for forgiveness and healing. I loose the holy angels to protect each person here as they leave and also to anybody listening to this broadcast. I bind the schemes of the devil directed at the body of Christ and I bounce them back sevenfold in Jesus' name. I ask the Holy Spirit to fill each person with the love of God. We praise you, Father, and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You are all dismissed.